Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, nail tech and stylist to level up, build their career and reach for their dreams. Each episode we'll be looking at a different area of the industry and along the way I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders and experts who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals, made their successes, all to inspire you in your business and career. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. So you join me on this episode as I welcome Sam Marshall. Um, Sam is known throughout the industry as um, a representative of the LGBTQIA plus um, community. And she's also the wax guru, the beauty guru. She's on the Skin Professionals group um, and is one of the founding members of the Skin Professionals group on Facebook. And she is joining us today to talk about all things DEI. Um, for those of you that aren't sure what those initials mean, you will find out a lot about it during the interview, but it means diversity, equity and inclusivity. And Sam is going to be talking to us about everything around the LGBTQIA plus community and how we can welcome those communities into our salons and into our lives. So I'll hand over um, to the interview now. Hello and welcome to Sam Marshall. And um, yeah, just great to have you on the podcast this week and excited to be sharing some of your knowledge because there's a lot in your head that we probably need to get out there. There is, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to just preface this whole podcast because we're going to be covering some stuff around LGBTQ plus um, and trans awareness and all that kind of thing. So Sam and I have agreed this is a safe space where I can ask some of the questions that maybe people want to know and are too frightened to ask um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns around this whole, especially with the trans and non-binary and all of that kind of community. A lot of people don't really understand it enough yet. So we're going to have this as a safe space where I can ask questions um, that maybe are going through your head and you don't know who to ask or what to say. But first of all, um, Sam, if you can just sort of tell us a little bit about you and your route into the industry um, and what was it that made you pick up? Because you're probably most known prior to doing the LGBT, LGBTQ plus stuff. Um, you're probably more known as like the wax guru. So what was it made you pick your first wax spatula up? OK, so my route into industry is um, quite a, an interesting one. I went to private school. And my parents spent a fortune on my education. I went to, I think, one of the most best prep schools in the UK. Um, and I did very well and um, got scholarship. And then my next school, which was in, they put me in an all-girls school. And um, it, was, it just wasn't a nice experience. I was bullied a little bit. And um, they said, you've, you've got to go to sixth form there. And I wanted to go to the local state school, which was co-ed. It was a little bit more relaxed. And they were like, no, you're staying in this school. So I rebelled. And <laughs> I enrolled myself in Chesterfield College on a BTEC national diploma in beauty therapy. Ooh. And much to their disgust. Oh, I, I bet they were impressed. They were livid. Um, but I've always been quite headstrong, let's just say. So I enrolled myself at college and I went there. And I, I loved, absolutely loved, of course. Um, but I always had an interest in beauty. I actually used to do my grand's feet in the B-Day which we all knew nice. was bold, didn't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I used to make face masks out of like bananas and avocados and smother them over whoever would be a willing victim yeah. for me. Um, so that was kind of my route into beauty. And then with waxing, it was, um, I went on a working holiday in 1999 to Australia. Nice. And I eventually needed a job because I had money. And I got one at a waxing studio and it was literally yeah. like, swimming pool changing rooms as cubicles Lovely. with a load of clean and easy which like face it aren't clean or easy um waxing and we had very short times and if we ran into our lunch break we didn't get a lunch break yeah. so it got me quick at waxing I had no choice but to kind of get super super quick um and then I learned to do my female intimate waxing there in 1999 and it was it wasn't even a training course I was shown and then thrust into a room with a with a client and it was horrendous. Um, yeah. Horrendous. It's, let's face it, in, like intimate waxing of any type um, is is a challenge when you don't know how to do it properly. And I can remember when I did my, when I first did my intimate waxing course, which was a proper course, um, and we did a whole day of, of 
waxing each other and stuff. And it was, but that first client is just terrifying, terrifying. isn't it? And yeah. I think it is once you've made that, once you've done that transition of the first client or even maybe the first few clients, then all of a sudden it's like the, the yeah, the knowledge starts yeah. sinking in. And it is, um, yeah, it's an amazing. I've, I, you know, I've not done into wax for so long. Oh, it's, it's great. I'm just going to autopilot now. I, I can think about what I'm having for tea yeah. and what I'm doing the next day. I can chit chat. Um, and it's something that I, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to do. I, I had to learn it. But my boss was like, you have to do it if you work here. And then I realized when I came back to the UK, there was a no one was doing it. And I was in huge demand. And I used to have people travel. I had a woman traveling from Bristol to Manchester wow. to get a whack, which yeah. is And it just went crazy. It was we were the first people in Manchester to do it by far. Um, yeah. And also we used non-strip wax, which again, back then no one had. I had yeah. to, it took me ages to find one. Um, and I ended up using a Vader wax actually, which I don't think exists anymore. But yeah, mm. it, was a, it, <laughs> it was an interesting time. Yeah, I bet. I, know. It's, uh, I think wax, waxing's come on so, so much, hasn't it? Probably over the last 10 years or so, there's so many new brands and so many good quality waxes. Um, so as we've already kind of picked up on, you've had a few roles um, in industry. Um, and so one of them that I know that you did was managing Urban Retreat in, was it in Selfridges? In Harvey Nichols. In Harvey Nichols, sorry. Yeah. Getting mm -hmm. me posh shops muddled up. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> so how was that? Because I mean, Urban Retreat is a huge brand. And, huge. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was um so I and this is this was a lesson actually I remember applying for the job as beauty manager I was I think I was 24 years old so I was young and I put a salary down that was five thousand pounds higher than what I was previously earning as a manager with Aveda and I thought sod it I'm gonna put it in I thought they'll get they'll meet me halfway and they just said yeah sure we'll give you that and back then that was it was nineteen thousand pounds and that was a lot of money yeah. to earn back then and I was beside myself but it was um it was a it was a very difficult job because I was managing a big team of people and it was a lot of personalities a lot of young people and then also there was actually some hairdressers that was one particular hairdresser that was older than me that actually bullied me and that was a very dark time because by that point I was actually the salon manager on £25,000, nice. which again back then, literally. But yeah. I was I was a very young manager and um, it was I was it was lonely. It was really lonely. Um, but as a company, Urban Retreat were phenomenal. Their management in London were just incredible. And yeah. I've, I've got a lot to thank them for, for, for my career. A lot. Yeah. Is I think they're just it's not it's just a, a fascinating opportunity, isn't it? Because it's a different, although it's still a salon space, it isn't like many other salon spaces, is it? It's just it's it's a whole different clientele to start yeah. with because the people that go to Harvey Nicks are very different clientele to what you get on your standard high street, yeah. and um, and so their expectation levels are high, and, yeah, uh, and matching yeah. that standard constantly, um, and providing that level of customer service must be quite intense. Yeah, there were, we had a lot of complaints. I remember one complaint was a woman who was a page three model mm. uh, dating a footballer and her lash lift had left her lashes ever so slightly wonky and she couldn't do any close-up shots. And oh. she was very upset. Um, we had some weird and wonderful people go through there and we, gosh, we, we had a lot of celebrities, which back then was, you know, really cool. Whereas now, you know, everyone is equal in my eyes because yeah. of who they are. But back then we were like, oh my goodness, all these people going. I remember waxing Jade Jagger's legs and literally wow. like, oh my God, oh my God. I bet oh they God. went on forever, didn't they? They were, no, she, they didn't. But she, but as well, weirdly, she had the most perfect pedicure. And I later found out that Leighton Denny had done her, that oh, wow. for the launch that she was doing of a jewellery line that she was in for. Oh, so it's weird yeah. how it all comes. And I remember yeah, she's typing it. on this thing. She's typing. I thought, what is she? It's like she's writing an essay. And it was a Blackberry before they came out. But she had it first. And I was like, she's so cool. Yeah. This is, so you've been surrounded by celebrity quite a lot because obviously where you, where you work now, if people if anyone doesn't know, Sam works out of Media City in Manchester. Yeah. So you've got a lot of TV studios and um, radio stations and stuff around you. So you get to to meet quite a lot of celebs, I'm sure. Yeah, we do, but we have a very strict. Um, I I call it pay for privacy. So they pay full price. I mean, why wouldn't they? It, it astounds me people discount celebrity. 
um, and they get the privacy. We don't talk about them. We don't tell anyone they come. If it, there has been times where some of them have kind of uh, Instagrammed and said, thanks so much, Sam, love my brows, love my lashes, but that's on them to do. We would never ask and we would never post ourselves. Right. And it's something that um, I've got an Iranian therapist. She's 53. She doesn't know who anyone is. She's only been here, I think, about eight years. And she had one one really, really amazing actress in with her once. I was, I literally was like, oh my God, if I see this person, I'm going to collapse because she's the most incredible actress. And I thought, shall I tell her who she is? And then I thought, nah. No. And, and she apparently, like, she's come to us several times since. And it's really nice because everyone gets treated the same. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I think we're now a bit more conditioned to if someone off the telly comes in, we don't get as as I used to in my having yeah. days. I know because I've done I've done a few over the years, and I've done a mixture of nails and massage, and I think yes, mainly nails and massage I've done on famous people, um, and the massage was fine. But doing nails when you've got someone in front of you that like you know and you're quite in awe of, and you get the handshakes, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I I did someone's eyebrows once, and and. <laughs> At the make, luckily the makeup artist is my friend and she's like a Hollywood actress and I was literally through the whole thing going oh my god what if I get them wrong what if I get the color wrong oh my god and I kept going to my friend I was like is this color okay and she's like yes I was like is this shape okay she was like yes and then she came back a few days later for a spray tan on her own don't mess it up don't mess yeah. it up no. So it was great it was great and it's very rewarding we see your work on tv and you think yeah. I, did those brows. I did those nails I did that so yeah, yeah it's great oh and I've not had anything that I've never seen oh no actually once I've seen my work on tv I did it was um yeah she's an actress and sort of um stage person oh. and, I, and I did her a set of nails the day before and um yeah in, now, in between but, in between stage shows but I'm really kind of one thing I don't kind of do myself as a whole influencer thing. I just, it doesn't work for my business model. And I always say, you know, if one of my clients saw me kind of going, oh, guess who came in? It was yeah. so-and-so or so-and-so. They'd be kind of like, yeah, we work with them. So why are they important? So yeah, it's something, luckily we don't get anyone going, can I have a free manicure if I tell them, you know. Because we shouldn't. And, and it isn't like, you know, we, we need to, why, why should we not value ourselves? You know, they charge exactly. money for what they do. Why shouldn't we charge for what we, for what we do? Yeah. Um, anyway, all that celeb stuff aside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as I was saying, I kind of knew you, first of all, um, as a beauty and wax guru. And that's how I came across you. But nowadays, many people do know you um, as a, a massive advocate of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and also more recently as skin professionals, your role um, as an advocate has um for the well, especially for the lgbtq community has brought you a lot of recognition i can't say the words today a lot of recognition um and just how important is it for you to be that representative voice um and i know that it is within the industry but also i think you are now starting to branch out of industry into um, hospitality and stuff as well getting that message across well i'm part of the community so i am this might shock everyone i'm a lesbian one of those <gasps> secret ones in disguise oh you can't tell I know it's the long hair um so, <laughs> so I am part of the community um my partner's trans non-binary my one of my best friends is a trans guy so I'm surrounded by these people and I I'm not scared to speak up so if I can be that person that can be an ally for those people that that maybe ha you know it takes quite a lot for them to speak up for themselves then why not do it um, yeah. And it, it can get really tough at times, especially as a cisgender person trying to kind of put the whole argument for be nice to trans people across and being inclusive. But I think it's my duty to do it. And also I've got a lot from my community. So now I feel that it's my place to give back, which is why um, I teach this course. And I also volunteer for my local LGBT foundation as a village angel as well, which I love. So You're good. just amazing. Well, I think no, it's I'm not. I just... I feel like if I do all these good things, then the good things will happen to me. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So it's probably selfish as well. <laughs> it's, but I mean, but you've mentioned already there a term that some people won't necessarily, necessarily, I can't get my teeth in today, can't necessarily recognize, ah, yeah. um, which is the, the cisgender um, yeah. situation. So cis, 
yeah so cisgender is basically the opposite of trans so I wouldn't say I'm a real woman I'm a biological woman I'm an ordinary woman because they would be horrendously derogatory but so so I we say that we're cisgender if we aren't trans and it's just a polite way of saying it so it's spelled c-i-s and pronounced cis and that, that's doesn't it stand um, stem from Latin? Is it? So yes, I'm just trying to I've, I've just been on the, the B Trans Aware course, so I should be being all perfectly spoken. But yeah, but it, take, it takes a few. Do you know what? You can't just do a course and take everything in. No. It takes a while to get versed in it. Um, and yes, this means on the side of uh, which does come from Latin, which was one of my favourite subjects at school. There you go. That's that posh school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's lot. There's lots and lots of language and terminology that. Um, the general public widely are still not that aware of and I think and it is a, it's a really important thing so that we can be inclusive um, and also one of the things that I'd like you to explain perhaps is because I know that you represent the DEI um, mm -hmm. I've got nothing to say agenda that's Let's not really say. my word is it but but it's but if you can just explain what DEI is as oh, well because the, all of the all of the all of this stuff that we're talking about comes within that remit doesn't it yeah, absolutely. So I've actually got a really good analogy for this, which I did in my talk that I just did at Spa Life International. So um, DEI stands for diversity, equity and inclusion. So if you relate, relate it to shoes, OK, Ooh. so okay. diversity that. is accepting that people have different shoes. Equality, which people sometimes think the E stands for, but it's it's equity that we should be using. So equality is just making sure everyone has shoes. Equity is making sure people have shoes that fit. So that's uh -huh. really important. So if we're equitable, we're not just saying, hey, you all get the same treatment. It's you get the treatment that you need for you. So we make adjustments in the workplace, etc. And then inclusion is inviting everyone to have shoes <laughs> or yeah. inviting people, you know, letting everyone know the shoe shop. work for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a really easy way to remember it because it took me a while to get my head around it because I, I I can do the whole trans awareness thing but people are like so tell me about DEI I'm like um, okay it's because in the end I can't think what it was there was something I needed to, do you know it might have been to do the FMP stuff and it might have been when I was I was yeah. writing something about you for the FMP and um, and I actually had to go and look up what DEI because I knew diversity and yeah. inclusion and then I was like what's it and I coming from old school when I used to be in the health service, public sector, in personnel, as it was called then, um, it would have been equality. And when I looked it yeah. up, it was equity. And I was a bit like, wow, that's, that probably is far more fitting. And that's what it's, it should be. Because we should all be equal, but we should be equal in our own rights. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's so important. And you can adapt this to the workplace, you can adapt this to your clientele. Yeah. Um, it can come across everything, but the, there is, you know, in our industry, in a lot of sectors, are there is a real lack of diversity um, at the Scratch Awards, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying this because it's not the awards' fault. <laughs> no. But there were hardly any people of colour there. There was one no. man that won an award out of how many awards? So, you know, these we need to make sure everyone is being welcomed into the space, and so that they know that they can enter, that they've got a chance, that they'll get listened to. You know, I'd love to see someone that isn't able-bodied winning an award. Yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, I'd love to see someone that's gender diverse in the industry as well. But I think people feel that they aren't welcome, so they won't try. And this is what yeah. we need to do is kind of open our our kind of our businesses and our world up to people that aren't cisgendered, white, <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult thing. And I think with things like the awards, I think if you're from a, um, a community that is perhaps um less popular or less accepted or whatever it is that is less than um you are less likely to put yourself forward to be up on that stage because then the spotlights might be on you and it may raise awareness that you aren't ready for or whatever and there's so there's a whole other ball game that goes on with that isn't there but equally there has been and I know um Helena from scratch has has tried very hard to start bringing in um, models of color and model, but just just a more diverse um, recognition of what our country is and and what the nail industry is, because we aren't all white girls that are thirty. Um, you know, there are there's people from multiple different ethnic backgrounds of different. I mean, you know, I'm fifty five. I still do nails. 
Yeah. And you know, and I'm just sort of like some miserable old menopausal woman nowadays. <laughs> but it, but it's true. But then, you know, but we're all different, and we're all going through our own journeys and whatever it may be. And I think that doing what you do, hopefully, um, it opens some people's eyes into the fact that we aren't all that stereotype that is attached to our industry. Yeah, and that stereotype can be seen negatively as well. Like it can, you know, some people, if people, I heard someone say, oh, everyone at spas is young and pretty, so I, do, I feel like I wouldn't be welcome there. Or, you know, people that are plus size, we want to see people across all these different bits of representation. Mm. So, so someone will see themselves. I mean, look at recently with The Little Mermaid. Mm. Look at those videos of those children seeing someone that looks like them. That is powerful. Yeah. That is yeah. so powerful. It is. I mean, I just I was just up your neck of the woods a couple of months ago and uh, went to see Beauty and the Beast, and um, and I and I me and my daughter we've been trying. We were supposed to see it in Edinburgh, and she ended up with shingles, and we couldn't go, and um, and so we had to reschedule and went to Manchester. And I so I and I love Manchester, so it was the first time she'd been. So I was like walking around all the bits of the city that I love, and um, we went to the um, theatre to see it. And I wasn't aware because they hadn't made a big thing about it. And maybe I don't know whether it's right or wrong that they don't. I don't know. But being on like sitting in the audience and all of a sudden there's this beautiful mixed race bell in front of us. And it's like, do you know what? And it's like, oh, OK. Like, I don't, you don't do have that moment of like, well, that well, I wasn't expecting that because that's not the history of the story and all the rest of it but she, oh my god she was amazing but it, is a, it is a make-believe story and I think yeah this is it really isn't it really they can do what so they want the, um my favorite musical which if you haven't seen it you have to see it is Anne's Juliet oh so yeah it's, I've not seen it's it. incredible and the lead the the woman that tends to play Juliet the most I think there's some other people that do it now with her she's a person of color and you know why shouldn't Juliet be black why yeah. shouldn't I think um I think one of the other one of the other characters is a person of color as well but we need to see we need to see these people but it needs to not be a shock it needs to yeah. be like yeah. oh yeah cool like it needs to be something you don't even think about yeah that you don't even notice but no. unfortunately because of how the world is and how our society is it, it becomes noticed it's remark it's remarkable isn't it really because you do because you just because you can't help but especially yeah. someone of my age it's really terrible um because you you don't expect that to be the case because you're you've been indoctrinated oh, totally. but then um, like with the trans community like I think if, if if someone sees a trans actor they're like oh my god a trans actor and normally they're playing a trans part but yeah. isn't Prince Charming always played by a girl and isn't well, the trans game is always played by a boy yeah so it's kind of like we've had this for centuries and years <laughs> and let and yet like Something um, Kerry said we were talking about and um, how if a man wears a skirt or a dress, everyone's like, oh, my God, a man in a dress, a man in a skirt. Yeah, I could go out in full male clothes every single day. Yeah. And, I mean, what is a male piece of clothing? That's just ridiculous that it's gendered. But no one would bat, blink an eyelid. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, a man goes out in a skirt, unless the David, even when David Beckham did it, it was news, wasn't it? Yeah. Or heels, you know, men, a man in heels, Harry Styles, I don't know if he's, I think he's worn a small heel and we're like oh what's going on there it's so peculiar isn't it and how times change and you know like if you go back to like 1910 when women first started wearing utility clothes and stuff and in the war you know and back then they were frowned upon massively for wearing or for even showing an ankle let alone wearing trousers <laughs> I mean, it was just you know <laughs> but it is it's, it's, it's just a moving acceptance isn't it and a, an evolution of um of accepting so um hang on who the glasses on again because I can't read what I was going to say so um yeah basically um what I was gonna I was just gonna say was um yeah so I did the trans aware the be no trans awareness course be trans aware yeah um the other day and it was it was really really interesting and Sam brings on some great people and has some great videos to share as well and Kerry does too um and they had there's some really amazing things that you learn on this course so and it's a great way of learning how not to make faux pas because if you do have somebody that comes to your business um, or comes into if you're an employee that comes in and you know your boss has booked in on your column and you aren't expecting it it kind of gets you through some of those maybe more awkward situations yeah. and just gives you a few tools to um to be able to be to be able to work without causing a scene for that person because I think that's the hardest thing is and and also one of the things that I learned is that you know how difficult it can be for people that are on their journey through um, their trans journey to be able to even phone and make those appointments 
is um is really hard so what what kind of things would you suggest sam um for you know obviously the course is there and available is it yeah. only online can people book it to come for you to come into salons or anything like yeah, that is it, yeah how absolutely. accessible is it so we do a monthly webinar um we alternate between day and evening and then we do do um we can come out to businesses we can come out to salons or we can do a bespoke a brand or salon training course over zoom so that was quite useful say for Gino that we did recently because they were kind of scattered around the country a little bit um and um yeah and we do colleges as well they're really really popular in yeah. colleges once Great they get through the yeah. <laughs> and we also give um 10 percent of our fee to sparkle which is a national transgender charity and when we have the panelists on we do pay them for their time which is oh, very, very important. So yeah. we give back to the trans community and that element is vital. So if you see a course out there that's free or that's, you know, it's got a fee attached to it, please ask them what charity to donate to or that they are donating to. Because I think it's like when we do things around pride, there has to be a charity, a charity element if you're going to use that community <laughs> to make yeah. money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we... we we're really proud of our course it's it's great but it's one of those courses that until people have been on it often they don't know they need it and then they're like oh my god I really needed that or what people do is they wait until they get a trans a client that's trans coming into their business and they're like oh, I need the training now but it's kind of like let's 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 do it before they start coming into your business because they're probably not coming because they don't feel welcome yeah this is it and that we'll, we'll cover in a minute a lot of how you can perhaps be more attractive um to the trans community and to the lgbtq community because it is it's there's a whole lot of different things and i know when i have my salon we had um a few a few different people that came to us over the years um that were on different pathways and different journeys and stuff and and we used to we had one person who used to phone regularly book appointment and, and I know and I know from speaking to other salon owners this is something that happens and you kind of have to really roll with it a little bit but quite often we had this one person that would phone and they kind of they had expressed to us that they were on their way to starting to live as a, as a woman yeah. um, and they regularly made appointments and then they didn't turn up and they made appointments and they didn't turn up and it is frustrating because obviously as a business owner, you don't, you know, you don't want that white space in your diary, but you know, so how, how can you kind of manage that kind of thing, Sam? Cause it's really difficult because they're going to be feeling a lot of vulnerability and probably be quite concerned and scared perhaps about coming into a very female based industry or a very female based uh, business yeah. and being judged and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's not it's not so much it's female based, it's more that we're all cisgender generally. But yeah. Um, but um, think bad thing again. No, no, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Oh, no. was changing the perspective. Yeah, I know. It's just the language, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you if you think about last time you went for your nails or your hair, did you feel anxious about going to that salon? Did you worry about which bathroom no. you were going to use? Did you worry about how you'd be greeted if someone would tell someone about you? We we don't need I'm speaking for for me and anyone that's like me is that I don't need to risk assess a situation before I go into it not beyond the kind of norm that we do as we're walking down the street yeah. but for someone that's gender diverse it's a whole different ball game so um first of all I mean if there was someone that kind of expressed that they might uh be you know on on, some, on their journey or they're gender diverse I would I would see if they want a phone call because I think if if they'd have spoken to someone who could have reassured them, said all the right things to them over the phone, then that probably would have helped. Yeah. Also, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say if you'd have taken a booking fee or taken a payment, yeah. they're probably less likely to cancel because they've already committed to it financially. Like if it's easy to cancel, sometimes you'll just cancel. Yeah. You know. I know. Well, this TikTok um, person just used to not turn. They they just used to no show. And yeah. um, I think because online, if people book online, where when I had my business, we because this was going back a few years before COVID, this was going on, um, and so cancellation um, policies. Oh, I did have it, but we were we never used to enforce it. Enforce it. Enforce it. 
Oh no! If it was like, if it was if they booked online and they paid their their booking fee, then we'd enforce it. But if they but if they phoned us, we just used to book it in, and we never used to take a booking fee over the phone. So yeah. it was way round us round a bit way. A bit so around. I I I will only take my first bookings online now because then it captures their car details, yeah. or, or or we can take a booking fee. I've I've learned the hard way from that after being in business for years. Mm. Um, but what what you want to show that person? Um, is that first of all that you're educated around transgender etiquette generally um, because and also there's no point one of you being educated and the rest not because you know on a Saturday if the assistant's at the desk and you're shampooing someone or you're doing someone's massage out the back if she gets it wrong then she screwed it for you yeah so it needs to be the whole business um, and then you know, you can outwardly let the community know that you're trained, first of all, you know, pop your certificate on your Instagram. Yeah. That's what a lot of people are. Or your window sticker. You the, get yeah, we have window stickers as well. Um, you can mark yourself as a, a, a transgender safe space on Google, alongside being LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, mm. But there's also, there's also actually some directories you can sign up to, but I don't see the point signing up to a directory if you haven't got the education. Like that's me, to, me like saying, oh yeah. yeah, I welcome autistic people, but I haven't done any training on autism. Like, yeah. if I get it wrong, then I could really upset someone's day. And with the trans community, if you get something wrong, you could contribute. I'm going to be harsh. You can contribute to their suicide rate. Yeah. Which, which 85% consider 41% attempt suicide. Yeah. So we need to get this right because it's it's it might not just be kind of what you say or what you say that that might be a little bit incorrect it could be a build-up of those things throughout the day from different people so the cab driver misgenders them someone shouts oh it's a bird in a dress yeah you know someone um they get a letter through saying mr smith instead of mrs smith you know all these things add up and i think it's and it's such a pressured um time isn't it that especially as they go as they as they go through the journey until their final destination yeah um it's so difficult and it can be yeah it's literally a minefield every time they step out of the house every time they answer the phone every, whatever it is that they're doing yeah. it's a minefield for them and and i think you know we need to be mindful of that because yeah, we do. it is challenging very very challenging yeah. but it's worth mentioning that not every trans person is like that some people yeah. are confident some people um they call it passing um so you know you wouldn't necessarily tell if they were transgender um some people have got to the place in their journey they're comfortable with and also it's really worth mentioning here i always say this in my course that you don't get a gold star for getting gender reassignment surgery your happy place could just be change of your name and your pronouns that yeah. could be the happy place yeah so so it's it you know not everyone is in that situation but the more we can do to welcome those people then the better really yeah. um and then things that they will see is um an a dei um statement on your yeah. website a policy if you uh, employ people because you should be able to welcome anyone to your team regardless of, of their gender diversity sexual orientation race everything yeah and unfortunately a lot of us have an unconscious bias from yeah. growing up, from things we saw on telly, yeah. maybe someone said something to us once, and you know, although you don't want to have it, we've all got it somewhere with something. Yeah, and it's about because you have you've grown you've grown up in an environment that that didn't have that there at that point, yeah. or you had parents that didn't approve, or whatever it yeah. may be. There's there's so many or friends that didn't approve, or what else society not approving is it just doesn't end, does it? No. Um, Okay, so you mentioned pronouns. So I know that you're a, a she, her. Um, yeah. I'm she, her. Yeah. But obviously there's a he, him and a they, them. Yeah. And is there any other ones that we need yeah. to be well, on? You, you could have she, they, you could have he, they. And you could also have he, she, they. And then you can have neo pronouns like her, the, they. There's quite a few. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So we can, we, can, we can make a lot of faux pas there then. Can't yeah. we? <laughs> Yeah, we can. I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's just kind of just getting. If we start having these conversations, then we all are on a, on a learning journey that we are trying to do the right thing and say the right thing. Yeah, uh, and that goes a long way. It does. So the a lot of people are like, "Why do I need like for you? Your name's Stu. It's a typically female name. You yeah. appear to have gender expression that's quite feminine. So 
why would I need to use your pronouns? Why is it relevant? Yeah. And the answer is that it's not for you. It's for people that, that want to share their pronouns. And if we're all doing it, it normalizes it. So yeah. having it on your email footer, your Zoom name, your LinkedIn, your Instagram, it doesn't really make a difference to my day if it's on there or not, but it yeah. makes a massive difference to people that are in the community or that don't use the pronouns you would assume they use. Yeah. Is one of the things that was really interesting on, on the course was where we were talking about how you're referred to, like about being someone's um, granddaughter or being someone's niece or nephew or whatever. And it was, and it's, I still keep having, and, and I'm, whether it's right or wrong, I mean, please, if I'm wrong, but I just keep having a little chuckle about, because I've got a speech, I've got a speech to my nibbling. You're nibbling, it's a <laughs> nibbling. And I think that's just such a lovely thing to call your niece or nephew that's non-gender specific. Yeah, it is, it's lovely. And, you know, language will always evolve. Mm. It will always change. And I'm sure when we stop saying policeman, policewoman, fireman, yeah. you know, dolly trolley, or trolley dolly, dolly sorry yeah. chamber maid I mean god we, we used to call someone a maid that's insane yeah so you know those things stopped and became more gender neutral and now we're at a stage where you know maybe don't say hi ladies to well on a forum and I'm I know I am the bane of most people's existence on forums someone puts hi ladies I'm on it within minutes because yeah. there's people in our industry that that are that are male or non-binary or that are trans and don't use the pronouns we'd assume and I just think god you know it's 2022 let's stop assuming our industry is just women because yeah. otherwise it only ever will be this is it because I think there's a group I'm in um that I subscribe to there's the female entrepreneur association and by by nature of what it is it is women in there and so in that environment, because it is very specific, then that would be okay to go in there. But even like, I still don't say hello ladies in yeah, there. I because mean, I, because I you get, still don't know. No, I get why we need female groups, but I think, you know, where do the non-binary people go? Yeah. If they can't go into, you know, it, I just think, I think we could be a bit more open to it. Like there's actually a um, Liverpool, Leeds and Manchester lesbian and queer women group. And yeah. they welcome trans women and they welcome um, AFAB, which is assigned female at birth, non-binary folk. Um, and, you know, they, you know, being a lesbian is a woman that likes women. So they're trying to be more inclusive and it's working and it's brilliant and everyone feels welcome and it's a really yeah. lovely environment. So I think we just need to open it up that little bit more because I know for Kerry, who is non-binary, wouldn't go into a women's group. Yeah. Because they would feel really uncomfortable. Um, but would they want to go into a men's group probably not you know mm -hmm. it's, so it's I think as long as there's mixed groups available this is it isn't it I think it I think this is a thing isn't it and I think that one of the one of the um re the resistances perhaps is because there's that well what well, you know well what about us you know we're women or we're men and we want to still have our group mm -hmm. um and what why does it have to be open to everybody because I don't want everybody in there and, it, and I think there is a resistance there, isn't there? But like you say, as long as there's mixed groups where anyone's welcome, then you can still have that kind of, Venn, you know, it is just a Venn diagram, isn't it? Like the men there and the women there and in the middle, there's everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, there's like this fear as well of, I know in our industry, there's loads of people that won't massage men and won't, don't want to treat men. And, you know, it's unfortunate to tar every man with the same brush. Um, and if, we were equal in the workplace would we need separate women's entrepreneur group couldn't it just be a mixed one because yeah. I'm sure we'll do similar jobs oh we do yeah we do but I think it is that that there's a there's a different mentality perhaps isn't there I don't know that's it is it's just one of those peculiar things isn't it I suppose mm -hmm. that you've I suppose because you feel it's like your tribe isn't it I suppose to a degree not that, I mean even that's sort of a, a, a challenging word isn't it nowadays but but it's it is it's that it's that group that you associate with, isn't it, and that you bond with or whatever. And it's and it's it's really really difficult because you. Know you I, mean, I didn't ever want to exclude people, but equally sometimes I do like being with the girls. And other times I like being down the pub with the blokes. It's just sort of. You, you know, know what? You really hit the nail because because I feel really comfortable around around other gay people. Yeah. Because I because I know they're my tribe, they're my safe space. But I suppose if you're a cis straight woman then and you're not a person you know you're white or not a person of color then who is your tribe because <laughs> yeah because you're kind of the norm aren't you yeah so your tribe you don't have a tribe 
exactly it's going to be other women so it kind of makes yeah. sense there. I've never thought about it like that yeah it is it's, it's because it's just a bit of an odd thing isn't it it's like you know we tra- we've like with my husband he wouldn't he wouldn't go he wouldn't really he doesn't really do Facebook or any of that stuff he can't stand social media but if he wants if he wants to go and be with people that are like him he'll go and meet up with his mates who is known forever interestingly one of whom is gay and married and they you know and they and considering they were all like proper hard nut boys when they were all younger um you know they're they're so welcoming of him and his partner and and it's fantastic because we all kind of knew anyway (laughs) but it was like but when he when he eventually came out you know as as hard nut lads they were all so accepting and so welcoming and and he's never left their group ever and so you know, you as I say, his husband's really part of the group as well. And, it, and it is, it's, it's that kind of that male bonding thing, isn't it? And I yeah. suppose. Totally. But this is what we're seeing now is gay is, gay is kind of where, well, trans is where gay was like 20 or 30 mm. years ago. Because if you think back to maybe our parents' time, would they hang around with gay lads? No, my dad would not have hung around with gay lads. And what we're seeing now, and one of my friends who works on one of the doors in the gay village has said he sees kind of 20-year-olds and they're straight men, they're gay men, and they're all hanging out together. There's no differentiation, there's no kind of separate groups. Whereas when he was younger, he only hung around with gay people because the straight people didn't want him with them. No. I think how far we've come with it. Like, there's no biggie. I'm sure even when I came out at the beginning of this, people were like, yes, they're what? Boring. Next. You know, yeah. Being gay isn't that, isn't that kind it's of not a big thing, is it? It's no big deal. Well, yesterday's news, Sam. Exactly. And <laughs> I'd like to hope that trans gets to that point that we're like, yeah. yeah, cool. You used to be, well, you wouldn't say that to someone, but you know, if someone had a history where they were a different gender, we'd be like, oh yeah, cool, fine, great, move on. Is I think it, I think it is getting there, isn't it? I can remember years ago watching the first. Um, I do love a documentary and watching the um, the first ever documentary of the first amount of female trans um, person and being absolutely fascinated by the process because I, I love it for me I love all the psychology and stuff behind it and what it is that that makes that how, how it works why why you are in your head and your gender in your head is that but everything else isn't and how you how you marry that and you work through it and it is oh. and it's really massive I mean I I can't even begin to imagine no I, I and I and as a cis person we never will no we only know what people tell us but they did prove that um if you look at a trans woman's brain and a cis woman's brain they're identical yeah. so their brain their, their being their person is always the same so if you woke up tomorrow and you didn't have breasts and you had a penis <laughs> You would still be Sue and you would still be female. That wouldn't change you. No, I'd be a so, bit surprised though. <laughs> you'd be very surprised and you'd probably have a very fun day. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for a trans person, they would like when they say, Oh, oh, you they want to be a woman. No, they were born female, mm. but they were born in the wrong body. And then as they grew up, their hormones, the wrong hormones took control, which gave yeah. them the lower voice, the square jaw the pronounced forehead, the excess body hair, the height. They, like when when my clients talk to me that, that are trans, like they'll say when I was a little girl, I mean, they outwardly, they were a little boy, but they've always been a girl. Yeah. It is something you wake up and go, oh, I'm a boy. It doesn't, yeah. you know, no one decides to be trans. No one would choose to be trans. Well, no. actually, some people that are very happy probably would, but a lot of people that speak to me say, you know, who would? Yeah, and it is, and I think it's you know like there's a lot of um, gay people that like you like you say twenty years ago would have been saying the same thing. Absolutely, and you know they would not want to wake up and be gay. And as we know, there's been horrendous attempts at stopping people from being gay, and it doesn't work. Conversion Um, therapy, yeah, yeah, and it's well, um, it's still illegal to be gay in over seventy countries, and most of those is punishable by death. Yeah, so we still have a long a long way to go even with yeah, that the global acceptance definitely I think it's yeah, um, yeah it's very very difficult and uh-huh. we put my glasses on so my dog's just arrived in the room as well <laughs> um okay so um also so we've sort of kind of covered the cis um and trans labels kind yeah. of thing um which I think is important and, I, and it is and you mentioned AFAB as well which yeah. is um, assigned female at birth or a or AMAB I presume as yeah, assigned, assigned female at birth. Male at birth. yep yes well done 
Um, and I, do you know what? And I think maybe because we are a female-led industry, um, and the majority of the clientele within the beauty industry are female because that is historically what it is. Mm. Is that we do, and that you automatically do the AFAB thing, whereas but there is the AMAB thing as well, isn't there? Just so, just so we're being equitable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how in a salon can we create a more inclusive um, venue and uh, and ways of my, maybe marketing and that kind of stuff? First of all, get educated. There's no point welcoming everybody if you're going to get everything wrong when they walk through your door. Um, and then, secondly, look at your representation. So, look at your look down your Instagram <laughs> and your website. And if you see the same sort of person all the way down, yeah, you know, then you, you've not really got. That's who you're going to get in as a client. Yeah. You know, if I if I scroll through a hair salon that was all type four hair, which is Afro hair, we call it type four now. I probably won't go there because I think, oh, no, they might not do my hair. So we yeah. have to think about, unless you specialise in something, obviously, but then you've thought that you specialise in it. But we have to put it out there that these, you know, I want to see I want to see more mature women and mature men. I want to see some old hands. I want. I saw a black foot for the first time the other day. I think it was on Scratch, actually. And I, and I was like, I've never seen that before. No. Isn't and as, well, and as someone who's got although I'm st I have been straightened a bit now, but um but as someone who's got type three hair, oh, you know, trying for for me I'm quite a minority <laughs> of of a type three hair and trying to find a hairdresser that can cope with my hair and yeah. understand it is and and mine isn't by no means as challenging as perhaps type four is to someone that's not a type four hairdresser, yeah. Um, you know, there's, what, we, what, what we are seeing, which is great on that, is is it's now in the National Professional Standards yeah, for Type so 4 good. to be learned at college. I was so everyone. I went in. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's fantastic to think we didn't do it. And then also, you know, that will happen with darker Fitzpatrick skin. I was just, well. just going to say. Yeah. yeah. But, and then, and then also what we're getting away from, because I've done quite a lot of corrections around the language. I did one with a competition actually the other day, because they used to say model must be female. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> you know, men can have long hair that you can do into a hair up, doesn't matter. Um, and non-binary people. But um, yeah, looking at kind of degendering things is is really, really interesting and really important. So yeah. not saying female skin, male a model must be male. You could say yeah. androgen rich, we could say estrogen rich. Yeah. Or not if you're going through menopause. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Nothing rich. Estrogen depleted. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm. I'm fine with it. I'm. I'm actually. I'm having a fairly easy menopause at this point. So, um, I'm not. Yeah. That's another whole episode of podcast. Whole episode. Oh, we could do loads. Of, well, I'm not a specialist in it, but I know lots of people that are. But yeah. So, yeah. so representation is one. Uh, Degendering your treatment list. God, we don't need a men's back wax. Please get rid of it. Uh, you know, I have a cis woman who a cis straight woman who has a back wax. Um. Yeah. And then, and, and, and just look at your, look at your language, look at your marketing, you know, yeah. if you're putting out there and using words that will only apply to, to one sector, then that's all you're going to get. And it's not about kind of stopping niching, because I do believe people should niche, but, yeah. but at the same time, we should make sure that everyone feels welcome, because if you're not including, you're excluding. Absolutely. One of the other things I wanted to um, talk to you about as well, and it is a, it's a big area, intimate waxing. Um, and obviously if someone is going through a transitional journey, yep. they may present, um, outwardly as female yep. and then they could be on your couch. And when you pull that towel back, they may present, um, as a different gender. Yeah. Now, obviously if you haven't done the training for that other gender, um, how, how does how does that work? Because obviously there's been a there was quite a famous case in Canada of there was, uh, but she wasn't uh, a very nice person. No, she wasn't a very nice person. No. And was actually going out of her way to you make trouble for salons that yeah, then yeah. she tried to accuse of discrimination. So where do where do we sit as therapists? If you if you've done your your female intimate waxing, because yeah. what you would have gone and done is a female intimate waxing course or a male intimate waxing course. Where do you sit if you haven't done the opposing genders? Um, training and someone comes in can you still say I only do I mean it's funny actually I noticed you put something out the other day for a model saying anyone with a vulva and yeah. basically yeah I mean obviously we, we could 
using those terms publicly for some people may be the wrong way of saying things or they may not feel comfortable saying that if they're not, if you feel uncomfortable saying the word vulgar you probably shouldn't be doing intimate waxing anyway yeah. um, but so where do we sit are we okay to say no are we out do we have to do it you know what what's the the uh, kind of <laughs> well no one no one has to do anything do they no. i i i mean if you're a doctor or a nurse you don't get to choose who you touch no. first of all and I know that's a lot of people saying, well, I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but if you choose to do intimate waxing, I'd, I'd recommend trying, you know, doing every every bit of anatomy and then that takes anything away, really. But if you aren't trained in doing um, male intimate waxing, so waxing the scrotum, then yes, of course, you can say, I'm so sorry, I'm not trained in this area. Let me, and have someone to recommend to. It's okay for you not to do it, but you have to have someone to recommend to. Because otherwise, you're not really doing much service for your client. Um, also, if um, let me, sorry, I'm just thinking of this the right way around. So you might get a trans guy coming in that that's got a vulva. Yeah. And you know, just because they transitioned doesn't mean if they waxed before they don't want to wax afterwards. Like, it doesn't always change. So you have to be prepared to, you know, if you if you need to have that conversation. And say oh you've booked in for an intimate wax can I just let you know Sarah is only trained to wax the vulva um or female intimate waxing I try and take I've actually started to remove the gender from my description so I'm going to rename oh, well I've officially renamed my course I just need to get my certificates done about the vulva waxing because that's what it is um I mean they're not pretty words are they vulva mm -hmm. and scrotum they're just not but there's yeah. nothing else we can call them without using slang and we're not going to use slang so it is what it is um so yes you're fine to refuse um and also there must be an element of insurance as well yes you, you, yes if you're not if you're not if you're not trained on that area then you're not going to be insured and and you can say that to your client I think if you had anyone that was being difficult about it and saying well I'm a woman and I've got a scrotum then that's something please feel free to reach out to me and I can advise you on it case by case I'm more than happy to to help with any of that but I haven't known anyone in the UK to do that We've no. had one case. <laughs> I know. You know, if we really think statistically about the amount of waxes we do every day, and we have, are we going to get what? Let one case make us think that every trans woman is going to try it on with us or be difficult because yeah. we, you know, this happens a lot with male clients, like people refusing to to massage men because their sister's auntie's uncle once had someone that was a bit dodgy. You know, yeah. it's it's something that. That I think as an industry we're becoming a bit precious about, and it needs Definitely. to be. It is. I mean, I think we need to be aware of no matter who our clients are, we need to be aware of our personal safety, um, right. and especially if we're working on our own, our solo safety is vital. Yeah. Um, and I think there may be there are instances where I've had. I mean, it's, it's really funny actually. I, when I used to work mo more mobilely kind of thing, um, way back in the day. I would I would never have gone to if a if a man had booked me to or had tried to book me for massage I would never have gone to his house because it would be I wouldn't have control I wouldn't know where anything is and I for me that would have been a safety risk assessment um, situation and I wouldn't have wanted to do that but when I had my home salon and Frank came to me um, who came to get his um, his toenails painted once um and it was his I think it was his first time in a salon he was experimenting and I was probably quite nervous well I was very nervous because I had this guy coming it had all been a very peculiar setup his a friend of his a female friend of his had kept phoning and making oh probably about 10 phone calls just to book this one paint and shape appointment it was really quite challenging in the build-up um and so I just made sure my sister was in my house I had a cabin in my garden my sister was in my house I made myself safe yeah, it's not hard, is it? No, and it isn't hard. And no. I had, you know, my sister popped out to give me a cup of tea. We'd agreed that I'd say whatever if I was okay with going yeah. ahead and something else if I wasn't okay with going ahead and she'd extract me. But the poor guy was shaking. Yeah. He was so much more nervous than I was. Yeah. And I think in those situations, anyone coming to your business that is coming in a vulnerable state is going to be far worse off than you. And yes, you know, as a small woman, a five foot 11 man or a six foot four man is going to be able to overpower me but he'd be able to overpower me whatever happened and whoever was there but if you took his name email address date yeah. of birth far less likely by card online yeah, yeah. Got his card details you know that's quite a lot of things to track someone with yeah 
And I think we do need to kind of recognize that not all men are serial killers. And um, and we, we we do we we need to be aware and we need to risk assess our situation. And and the thing is, if you actually did a formal risk assessment of it, you'd probably find the risk would be really, really low. Yeah, absolutely. We need Sam Blake on this. We we do need Sam Blake. I was just she popped into my head then. So when yeah. when I because I teach male intimate waxing still or scrotum waxing, and we teach personal safety as part of that course. Yeah. But then what we um we actually considered, like this was with Andy Royard is that the personal safety element needs to be taught in female intimate waxing as well. In fact, it should be taught in every single course because why would you ever put yourself at risk with anyone? And women, yes, statistically, there's less, you know, less trouble with women, but it still happens. And I think going to a stranger's house, it must be terrifying. I don't know how people do it. Um, there's a company, um, I think they're London Manchester called Blow, and they people that work for them have told me they are not allowed to go into a house with a man on his own. And they had a cross-dresser that wanted makeup and they actually refused, apparently, um, which isn't very good. And they have his and his and hers, hers and hers massage. Obviously, what do you book if someone's non-binary? But they don't have a his and his. <laughs> And if there's ever two people that are going to try it on, yes, (laughs) you know, I mean, because I was talking. But then we're making assumptions that they might be gay. They might be just mates. They might be just mates. I was was talking to a guy. He's amazing. He's called the Spa Man, and he basically his whole life is spent going to spas and writing reviews. Mm. He goes with his husband, and he said he hasn't had a treatment by a male therapist in the UK for ages. He said it's like they don't exist. Whereas in other countries, it's it's really normal. It is. So, I used to know a guy who was amazing master actually, a guy called Colin. I forgot. I can't remember his last name. He's on my Facebook somewhere. But he but he was a male master and um and he was fantastic. Mm. Really really good master. Yeah, I've we need, to, we need to see more. I'd like to just just see more guys in our industry and you know. I think it's it's just it's it's funny, isn't it? Because guys in hair is so common. Right. Um, and may, maybe it is that because you're laying hands on people in a more intimate way that I don't know maybe maybe it's that whole thing maybe they feel awkward I don't know or maybe the colleges aren't welcoming them onto the oh, course yeah, well, yeah maybe in schools it's seen as something that is a down and out job which it which it is our industry is yeah I think that's another whole that's, podcast yeah that yeah because that needs to, <laughs> we need to kind of get get people from yeah. school school level because there's a massive crisis in the spa industry with recruitment it's massive. Mm. Is I've literally just been doing my as an interview, an interview with myself earlier. I was doing a solo recording earlier, all about that. And it is we've got massive problems, yeah. massive problems. And the fact that you know, and even if we go back to the beginning of what you were saying about your parents, and even my my mum and dad were not exactly that happy that I wanted to do this for a living at, at fifteen when I was leaving school, and and I kind of met my husband by then because we've been together. We, I was like child bride. Um, but we've been together forever and I'd sort of met him and I'd sort of decided I didn't know if I didn't know if I really wanted to do two years of college because it was two years of college back then to do beauty and my mum was just like I don't well just go and learn to type what do you want to go and do beauty for anyway she was a little she was a little bit dismissive of it and my dad was not that he he thought I should go into technology and become a do a computer thing because computers were new um and and you can't and in girls get pushed away from it and if girls are getting pushed away from it boys don't even stand a chance yeah, exactly. to it. and you get and that still hasn't hour. changed in 40 years that has not changed no. that parents do not encourage their academically able daughters to enter our industry yeah and mm. and if you really look at like at the moment i'm specializing in skin now because i i found with waxing i couldn't learn anymore i'd hit my mm. hit the top <laughs> there was nothing else to learn um so skin is kind of my new passion and you can never stop learning it's, it's no. continuous there's there isn't a, ever a time even as a dermatologist you can't yeah. have learned everything about the skin and for me I need my brain to keep active yeah. I, you know it, I, and a lot of my peers as well especially the other girls that do skin or ladies or people well they are ladies that do skin professionals UK they are really bloody intelligent women mm. Sorry if I'm swearing. <laughs> That's fine. But they are, you know, they are they're really, really, really educated and and they do beauty. So I think maybe if the industry was showing more people like us 
you know, and showing that but then, actually we've done brilliantly and here we are. But then you, they'd have to be publicising mature women. And we go back to another whole different argument of, yeah. of um, inclusion, don't we? And it is, I mean, I've, I've just been doing a new website for my little home salon that I'm going to do. And I have tried so hard to make sure that the images that I use have got women with grey hair, um, have got women with lines. Because that's my demographic. That's who. That's who I want to appeal to. I don't want to appeal to a twenty-year-old because she's not going to be my. She's not going to be my best client. Because I've got nothing to talk to her about. We've got no no common ground really, other than we both like nails or we both like facials. You know, there's not. There's nothing there. You haven't got that connection in the same way that I'd have with someone that's my age or someone over th over thirty-five or over forty or whatever. And we and we do need to make sure we're all represented, don't we? Yeah, there's. I know because I use Canva, and I think there's two women on there that I found that were mature. One's actually some 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 sort of your Oriental origin, so that's like a double whammy there. But when um I was on something with the British Beauty line, and apparently there's just no mature black women on the uh, you know on the Shutterstock and the Canvas. There's just there's nothing out there. No. They're not represented. No. And as well, though, is that I've got, I've, I met, um, and I'm sure you've probably come across Erica. Um, have you met Erica Fremantle? She's yeah. amazing. Have you not met her? No. She's wonderful. I absolutely love Erica. And, do you know, and, and the thing is, and I, and I was gobsmacked because she's old. I'm sure I'm, I might be, I'm, I might be saying the wrong thing now. She's around my age ish. Um, but she looks about 30. And I think that that's a really difficult because of the skin type. Mm. it doesn't age in the same way and um and they don't go gray in the same way and so maybe finding you know they'd have to look for like an 80 year old really and try and find someone that looks 50 they uh people of color if they're black they have a natural spf of 13.6 yeah. yeah i learned that on um Deja's course which was phenomenal yeah and i was like oh my god mind blown natural spf yeah. It is, isn't it? But it's like my mother-in-law had very olive skin and she was nearly 80 when she died and she still looked like she was 60. Just like, oh, it's just not fair. But anyway, so last question. Yep. Um, what is the one piece of advice that you feel would have been really, really beneficial to you when you started out your journey in this industry? Oh, well, I don't know which bits of to think of in my in my journey but the one thing I wish I'd had would have been coaching mm. because as a manager without a coach I think it, it, it I was set I was setting up to, to fail really whereas yeah. now I always have at least two coaches and <laughs> um, you know I, I try various different people to get different perspectives on things so I think it would be either sign up to a group training, you know, mentoring program, or if you can get a one-to-one -one coach. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that we all, we, we, we invest in, in the business and the instruments of business. Yeah. And we don't invest in ourselves, do we? Yeah. We, we like, go, oh, let's go and buy a two grand machine. No. How about let's spend that two grand on some coaching. But I think it's really hard. For someone to see the value of it when they start out because they're like whoa that's a lot of money but actually you get that back tenfold mm. if you just invest in it yeah. because I or have can I just go and buy another 20 colors of gel you yes. know <laughs> which we don't need but we do a but I had I've still got massive imposter syndrome yeah um, I still have money blocks as well which a lot of us have you know I see some prices and I'm like how are you charging that so I think all those yeah. things, um, one thing as well, which I forgot to mention is mindset, which is, my yeah. sister's a mindset coach. Yeah, indeed. And I will be inviting her on at some point. Oh God, she's like next level amazing at what she does as well. I've seen my friends literally just go, they're just limitless um, that have been coached by her. But I think clearing out any stuff, yeah, you know, any, any, any beliefs that you had or things that you were told growing up or I'm not good enough, getting rid of those would be my first port of call so it would yeah. be mindset first then business yeah I think it's important I did a lot I did some work with a friend of mine um the end of last year beginning of this year and um and she came on and did um, a couple of episodes with me Philippa and, and it is it's you know just 
just even recognizing that those issues are there is like the first step in clearing them and and it is and it's really funny and I, I was saying something to her the other day of like oh my god I can't believe I've just done this that that da 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 and she's and she you know she was like I'm so proud because that has been so long in coming and you just really really needed to do that and I think that we need to recognize that as, as professionals in this industry we need to invest in us and we need to empower ourselves yeah to make the right choices for ourselves going forward yeah, yeah definitely anyway thank you so much Sam for coming I really hope that we've had a conversation that's cleared up some queries for people because it is a challenging subject and one that we need to keep talking about and we need to keep discussing and um and if sam if you'd just like to share where people can find you and how they can connect with you and yeah. we'll also put all that on the show notes as well so uh on instagram at beauty guru sam is the best one for me and then i'm also on uh linkedin sam marshall <laughs> find me there's probably a few but <laughs> I know it's like me being Sue Davies. There's too many of them. Yeah, I've got, uh, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, but I tend to use Instagram and yeah. of work. Wonderful. And what we do is we get all of Sam's um, websites and all that kind of stuff so that you can just click the link on the show notes and that'll also go on the website so that you can just find her. And I really, I cannot recommend the course enough. If you have any qualms or any anything that is bothering you about doing um, anything in, with people of gender diversity then please please make sure that you do the course because it's not expensive is it sam no it's 97 pounds per person yeah. then if you've got a group together then depending on the group it can work out there yeah but um yeah so that's all good so thank you very much sam and so a great interview there with sam marshall and i really hope that you've learned lots of things about cis and about trans and about afab and amab and, um, and a little bit about what diversity, equity and inclusivity is all about. Um, do get in touch with Sam if you're interested in the course. It is a great course to do um, in salon or on your own. And um, we really, really, really need to start embracing the diversity that our world um, has in it now. You know, we, we think we need to know that there are other people out there that might be a little bit different to how we are and that that's okay and that we can accept it that's what it comes down to so hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to inspiring salon professionals if you've enjoyed the podcast please subscribe leave a review and share with fellow industry professionals that you think may enjoy the show Links and further information can be found on the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. Here you can also find some downloadable free guides that you may find in use. You can also hear from me and join the inspiring Salon Professionals community on my Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.